scriptures I read today are from the New Revised Standard Version Updated Edition. The first scripture, it comes from Isaiah chapters 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Today's second scripture is Matthew 24, 36 through 44. Please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. But about that day, an hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left. Two will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It is absolutely wonderful to see all of you on this, the first Sunday uh, during the season of Advent. Uh, as we uh, go uh, into our service, let us take a little bit of time to prepare our hearts by going to God in prayer. God, during this holy season of Advent, we prepare not only our homes, but we prepare our hearts to receive you yet once again. We look for your presence in our lives daily, that we might be a reflection of your people in a world that is often filled with darkness. And so come into our hearts this day, O oh God, help us to experience that longing, that sense of waiting and anticipation that has characterized your people throughout the ages. We look for that day indeed when Emmanuel shall come, shall come again. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer and our help comes from you. Amen. 
So again, today is the first Sunday of the Advent season, and for me, it is one of my favorite seasons in the Christian calendar, in the entire Christian year. Uh, I think I even like it more than, than Lent and, and Easter Tide or the Easter season, as, as it's been called. And uh, as Carrie said, the word Advent uh, comes from a Latin word that means coming or arrival, and in particular, the coming of a uh, significant event or the coming of a notable person. And so for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we begin the season of Advent. And uh, over the years, we've uh, sometimes thrown in themes like hope and joy and, and love and peace as a part of preparing our hearts for celebrating the coming of the Christ. But for us as Christians, it is a season that is deep and uh, rich with meaning for us. If we can take the time to really appreciate this gift that we've been given in this Advent season. But notice I said, it is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And so we heard the kids and so many have already begun uh, those Christmas preparations. Uh, but we as Christians, we, we mark time differently. We celebrate Christmas, but we prepare our hearts and we prepare our minds and our lives through a time of waiting and anticipating as we uh, come to expect the Messiah's return in our lives and his ultimate return as well. So during the season of Advent, we talk about coming or the arrival, and so we celebrate the coming of Christ that the people of Israel longed for for centuries and centuries as they longed for a Messiah and hoped for a Messiah. And as Christians, we believe that that came in the person of Jesus, the Word made flesh that came and lived among us. And so we celebrate that, that first time that Christ came into the world and entered in such a powerful way, broke into human history and changed the world for good. And then during the season of Advent, we honor the Christ who enters into our lives because the words that we use for, for Advent, uh, both, both the uh, Latin word and the Greek word, have also a sense of presence. And uh, Pastor Carey talked about this sense of already and not yet. And so we are kind of in this meantime, this in-between time, uh, where we have one foot uh, planted firmly in this world in uh, a, a real sense of realism, but also in anticipation of the kingdom of God that will come in final victory. And so we, we celebrate all of these things during Advent, but we look forward to that day when Christ will come in final victory and all things shall be fulfilled. But in the world, right after Halloween, we suddenly saw all of the Christmas things up in the stores, uh, didn't we? Uh, you know, I talked to, to uh, Kevin uh, before the service, and we were talking about Advent hymns, and, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he said he saw somebody the other day that still had up, you know, a skeleton in, in their yard. 
But this isn't the nightmare before Christmas, but the, the world uh, is already engaging uh, in Christmas. And we've seen it in Black Friday. So about 15 years ago, uh, you can actually see the charts and you can see how all of the major department stores uh, began to, to shift their Black Friday focus. And so Black Friday went from being an event on Friday, duh, uh, to being something uh, uh, that took place uh, as soon as that first football game was over on, on Thursday afternoon on Thanksgiving. But then last year, Amazon outdid everybody. They started a pre-Black Friday uh, sale, and they started it at the beginning of October. And so the world is in this mindset that says, get on with it. We want to start Christmas. We want to begin it now. And, and I understand that. As a matter of fact, the uh, beginning of Advent uh, back in the fifth century was kind of interesting as there was a bishop and uh, he wanted this season of Advent uh, and it was kind of a reflection also of what the season of Lent was, was to be. So just as in the season of Lent, we are preparing ourselves for uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Easter uh, with a time of fasting and prayer and preparation. That's what the season of Advent uh, was supposed to be. It began as a 40-day period where people fasted three days a week and they were preparing for the coming of Christmas. But that uh, uh, took on uh, a life of its own in some countries, but a bigger part of the church said, no, we want to get on with the festivities. And so we have Advent uh, as it is kind of known today, uh, those four weeks leading up to the birth of Christ and celebrating the coming of Christ in our world. But in this world, we've, we've seen it. It's already breaking in, if you will. Christmas is already arriving. Mariah Carey has declared herself the queen of Christmas. And she's gone on and she's sung, all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> And we've already started to, to hear it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. You know, all of those wonderful Christmas songs. And if you turn on the radio, they're playing those Christmas songs. And they're playing even some of the Christmas carols. And here we are, a people set apart. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to begin those very, very soon. But here we are, a people set apart. And we're singing, when morning gills the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. We're the people who are singing, come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And we sing, O uh, come thou long-expected Jesus. We sing those songs to build that anticipation and that sense of waiting uh, in our hearts and in our lives as we uh, come to, to really celebrate the presence and the birth of Christ in different and insignificant ways. But even we don't like waiting, if truth be told. Uh, we don't like waiting. And, and I'm going to show you a video in just a second. And if you are a person of a certain age, you remember this video really well. Here it is. Heinz Ketchup. 
think how good it's going to taste when it finally gets there. Tasting Heinz ketchup. It's slow good. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And, and uh, when we showed that video earlier this morning, uh, Melinda Kesky said, every time I hear the word anticipation, that song pops into my head. Uh, it was a great uh, job of, of marketing, but also a great job of getting us to actually have an appreciation uh, for waiting, an appreciation for anticipating something that's coming, something that is rich, something that is slow good, <laughs> as the voice in the video says. But we wait and we anticipate and we lift it up as a virtue, uh, not waiting in a passive kind of way, but waiting in a different way, waiting for Christ to enter into our world in a powerful way, but also we are a people who engage the world in different ways than those who do not know the Christ. We don't like waiting. We are part of the microwave generation. We are part uh, of the squeeze bottle generation. Now, Carrie swears that if you hit that bottle on the 57, that, that the ketchup will come faster. But we want it. We want it now. We are people oftentimes who are uh, impatient. In our scripture reading this morning from the prophet Isaiah, a book that was written over a period of decades, Isaiah shares this beautiful and inspiring vision, not just of the world as it is, or even of the world as it should be, but of the world as it shall be of the world as it shall be. Isaiah speaks about the world as, uh, as one who is a realist and realizes all of the problems in the world and all of the challenges that the people of Israel faced in their day. But he said, the people have forsaken the ways of justice and righteousness. Everyone loves bribes and runs after gifts. They do not defend the orphan and the widow's cause does not come before them. This is not the world as it should be and it's not the way of the world as it shall be. Isaiah gives us yet another vision, a powerful vision, and it is a vision that is of the world that can be unfolding before us if we have eyes to see, if we are people who are willing to put themselves and to subject themselves under God's leading, if we are willing to be instructed by God, to follow the instructions of God in our daily lives. We read in the New Testament that Jesus read from that same scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he opened it up to the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. 
But in our text today, Isaiah speaks of the world as it should be, as, of the world as it shall be, and he speaks of the days to come. He gives us a vision of a world where nations will be streaming to God, nations and peoples. And they seek to be taught God's teaching and to walk in God's path. When, when uh, God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate between many peoples. It is a time, he says, when nations and people shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Yeah. It is a powerful metaphor for turning those instruments of death and violence and destruction into instruments of peace and development to bring about human flourishing and life beating their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. A time when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Outside of the United Nations in New York, in the garden, there is a striking sculpture, and it's a, a structure of a powerful looking man. And in his right hand, he's holding high a sledgehammer, ready to strike a blow. And then in his left hand, as you see it, there is a sword, and the sword is already being bent. He has already begun the work of beating this sword into a plowshare. And that sculpture, let us beat swords into plowshares is based on this very text uh, from the prophet Isaiah in the second chapter. It is a powerful image and metaphor that has impacted our world. It has changed the way that some view what the world can become and what the world is supposed to be. One of the amazing things I think about that, uh, that, that sculpture is that it was donated by the USSR. <laughs> Remember last week we had the globe and, it, and it, maybe it was donated by the USSR, but we had that globe for our children's message. But it was the Soviet Union that donated uh, that sculpture uh, to the United Nations. But what's maybe even more significant is that it was donated during the time of the Cold War. Interestingly, I started looking up swords into plowshares and discovered that when Richard Nixon was sworn into office, uh, each time that he was sworn in on a Bible and that that Bible was open to Isaiah chapter two, the very same text that we had read for us today. When Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin and Jimmy Carter signed their peace accords in the late 1970s, each of them in their remarks cited this passage from Isaiah, that they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they uh, go to war anymore. Again and again, we, we hear that message. And it's begun to change our world, maybe in ways that we don't even realize. Uh, 
You know, my, my first uh, uh, march that I ever participated in, uh, a march for justice, was not the March on Washington. I was much uh, too young for that. Uh, that was 1963. But the first march that I participated in was a march in Washington, D.C., uh, when I was a seminary student. And we were marching to bring an end to the apartheid regime in South Africa. It seems like a strange thing, but many of us seminary students and people from all across the country uh, had come to learn uh, about apartheid and the evils of apartheid. We had heard the words of people uh, like, like Desmond Tutu, and we had heard the, the words of other religious leaders that day who were calling for an end to apartheid. And so we went out and, and we began to march, and, and it was an amazing thing that happened uh, during that time period and during those days because a Republican-led uh, Senate uh, changed its views and, and, and they changed the way that we engage with the, with the nation uh, of, of South Africa. And people began to divest their, their funds and they said that they didn't want to profit from the suffering and the pain of others. And soon, uh, this nation of South Africa, which had for 30 years been building its own nuclear weapons, they had been building weapons of mass destruction and chemical weapons, they experienced this change. And all of a sudden, they began to dismantle their nuclear weapons. They were turning their swords into plowshares. They were turning the weapons of war into something different. And they voluntarily, and with pressure from the outside, yes, they voluntarily dismantled all of their nuclear and chemical weapons. And across the world, other uh, people began to, to look at how we might take those nuclear weapons and use uh, the materials from those nuclear weapons uh, to create new forms of energy that could be used to sustain our cities and to meet a need of the people. And some of the very uh, instruments and tanks and weapons that were used in various wars were changed into bulldozers and used by farmers, uh, actually turning swords into plowshares. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the United Nations is, is the way to solve our, our problems. All you have to do is look at the formation of it and the Security Council and veto power and how all of that works. But what I am saying is that we are not to be a people who mimic the world. The world should be drawn to our light. The world should be drawn to the ways of Christ and the ways of God's people. The world should be drawn to a different image, not one of destruction, but the ways of peace and righteousness. When we lift up the cause of the orphan, when we lift up the needs of those who are suffering and those who are poor, when we lift up the widows and pay attention to their cause. What is it that Isaiah calls us to do? He calls us, he invites us to be a people who he says, come, let us walk in the light. Let us walk in the light of God. Let us walk in the light of God in this world. And it's amazing that in South Africa, they were singing uh, that we are dancing in the light of God. We are singing in the light of God. We are praying in the light of God. They were bringing that into being. 
Now, I, I, I want to say this about our scripture readings for the day, because y'all are a wonderful, wonderful people. Now, Carrie read from the gospel reading of Matthew, and she said, this is the word of the Lord. And y'all said, thanks be to God. <laughs> That's not the most promising of text, uh, to, to put it mildly, because the, the followers of Jesus had been uh, listening to Jesus talking about the coming of the Son of Man, and he had been talking about tribulation and pain and suffering and, and uh, the destruction of the temple, and he talked about the return of the coming of the Son of Man, and they began to ask him, when will this be? When will these things unfold? But Jesus uh, gives a, a wonderful answer. And I know a lot of people get caught up in the rapture theology and things like that. But Jesus gives us a wonderful answer uh, in this gospel. He says, no one knows. No one knows. Not even the angels, not even the Son of Man, only the Father in heaven knows. So what are we called to do? We are called to continue to walk in the light. We are called to be a people who are prepared, who are waiting and anticipating, a people who are ready to serve their God and to serve the people of this world to bring light into darkness. In the very next chapter, Jesus tells us that we are to be good stewards of our resources. And then he gives this amazing parable. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he will separate the sheep from the goats. And he describes this world, this world and, and, and those who will inherit the kingdom as being those who, who, when they saw someone who was hungry, gave them something to eat. When they saw someone who was thirsty, they gave them something to drink. When they saw someone who was a stranger, they invited them in. When they saw someone without clothes, they clothed them. When they saw someone who was sick, they visited them. Then he took care of them. And when they saw someone in prison, they went and visited them. And then Jesus said something that is absolutely amazing. He said, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. We experience Christ in the face of the hungry and the thirsting and the alien and, the, and those who are, are, are striving for justice in our world. We experience the face and see the face of Christ entering into our world through them. And so we don't simply wait and anticipate as if nothing important is going on. We get about the business of serving God and making a difference in our world. We walk in the light of God and we carry that light with us. And the people of God said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gary Church Podcast. If you would do us a favor by rating and reviewing us on the application you are using, it would be a huge help. Also, share our podcast with a friend. Thank you so much. And now receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the power of God the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.